All right. Ready to rock and roll? I'm ready. Ready for the real deal? The real deal. (laughs) Testing one, two, three. I think we're on. We're on. Speaking of rock and roll... Rock and roll. You I just come up, go there? I, I just come up with these questions. What was the first concert you ever went to? Olivia Newton John. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> That's a humiliating admission on my part. Do you want to <laughs> go ahead? No, it just goes to show how humble I really am that I actually said the truth. <laughs> Mine was Michael W. Smith. Do you know who that is? Um, CCM I, artist. I, I do, and it says a lot about you. Yeah, uh, it does. That you went to such an outstanding Christian gentleman's concert, <laughs> and I went to <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. But yeah. um, and by the way, I was on student board at Taylor University freshman year, and I kind of had to go. You weren't. You went to Taylor. Yeah, one year. And then where did you transfer to? Wheaton College. I thought I saw on your Facebook page that you went to Miami. I did. I went to University of Miami. I Ohio? I, no. Miami. The Hurricanes? Yes. Really? Yeah. I studied economics there. That's a long story. I got to tell you, that was a major part of my life. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. He 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 just glazed over right now. He, nobody else is here with me, I'm, but his I'm, eyes just went to a place. I I'm don't having know where. great memories. Yeah. In, in Miami. Welcome to Miami. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are today again doing Theology on Mission podcast from Northern Seminary in the famous Griffith Sound Studio. So famous. We're going to call it the Holesclaw Memorial Studio. <laughs> the memorial. Because he's the one who built this thing. He did. And We're we just, miss him. We yeah. miss that that guy. By the way, I got a, just got off a call from Holesclaw. <laughs> he's in Orlando. Living it up. Suffering. He's in Orlando. He said, I'm doing a marriage seminar, and we decided to go to Disneyland. I go, I'm not so sure it's a good idea to uh, make dis- make uh, <laughs> Disneyland the metaphor for marriage. Yeah, yeah. It is not a... You're saying it's not just a fun ride? Exactly. Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> don't get me in trouble now. But as my as my mentor once said, uh, Stanley Hauerwas. Yes, I've heard of him. And, and I want you to hear this because your wedding date is getting closer. Yeah, it's, it's impending. You always marry the wrong person. The Hauerwas Law. And that, hey, that's good news. Yeah, it is good news. That's good news. Because it's space for God to come and work. And that takes the pressure off. Because, honey, I told (laughs) you, it ain't going to be easy. We've got to work stuff out. But we're going to Disney World. (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about today, Mike Moore? Talking about salvation. Yeah. And we're we're on the second of three podcasts on uh, my upcoming book, The Church of Us Versus Them, Freedom from a Faith that Feeds on Making Enemies. And by the way, folks, if you care, uh, I can give out um, free galleys of this book via the Internet. I have a limited amount I can give out. If you promise to do an Amazon review, oh, that's a good exchange. And if you do the review, I will actually send out a copy, a hard copy of the book. So if you want in on that deal, email me fitchest at gmail dot com. Yeah. For the galleys, read it, put an, uh, a review on Amazon, and then I will send you mm-hmm. a hard copy. I think I only have fifty copies to do that with, so there is a limited uh, yeah. amount of copies. But let's. 
I, I, I would love to get as many people involved as I can in that. And I might even get a few extra copies from, from Brazos to see if that can happen. And if people don't know what galleys are, galleys are, for those of us who haven't written a Isn't book. Isn't that the name of a boat or something? Oh, no. Well, when he says galley, he's referring, he has a PDF document. Of PDF the book. document of what shall be printed yes. as the book. Uh, still in edit form. Hey, so here's how I start the book, and this just gets us into the whole conversion salvation uh, question of how does conversion sometimes become the instrument that sets us into an us versus them um, politics? How does actually conversion go from an invitation to the rest of the world to be with God to an in versus out segregation hmm. and sets us over against the world. I want to talk about yeah. that in this podcast. Uh, in the introduction, I say, we're living in angry times. Wherever we go, whether church, school, city hall, Washington, D.C., whatever we watch, whether cable television, news, Facebook, local theater, and however we do things, whether by email, Twitter, telephone, whatever, in person or in a meeting, our culture is rife with conflict. And then I say a little later, meanwhile, the church doesn't appear to be that much different from the hmm. world. Do you see this as a problem of our current day? Yes. <clears throat> However, nobody watches cable television anymore. Cable news? Oh, yeah. Nobody maybe people watch cable news. But yeah. Do people actually, are you saying that people don't watch cable I think news cable is down uh, in viewership. Because people are so uh, aggravated with the whole thing? I think just mostly people are just watching YouTube clips. But if you watch YouTube clips, that's a great example of the way people are divided. The clips that go viral, especially on news, it's the split screen where the one guy or the one gal, you know, roasts the other one or puts them in the corner and ties them up linguistically. Right. We're talking about the antagonisms now. Uh that have really come to the fore, emerged uh, to the forefront. Everybody can see them now because of social media. Mm -hmm. And YouTube is included with Twitter, Facebook, yep. uh, Snapchat, all the other stuff that's out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, but are you saying people don't watch cable news anymore? No, I, I think some people you have do. You to be old to do that? I, I think my demographic largely does not does watch it. Does your dad do it? Uh, I don't know. We could call him. We'll patch him in next time. Chuck, if you're listening. It's you and I left that are watching cable news. And I don't even watch it that much anymore. But I, I am curious because I, I have not read these chapters of your book, but I am curious as to how you're going to unpack this. How does salvation become a distinguishing marker? Because last time we talked about the Bible, and for me that was pretty easy to wrap my mind around. Yeah, yeah, I understand how the Bible gets used to divide people. But I, yeah. it, I, I don't understand as quickly how salvation becomes a dividing issue in the enemy making machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so what I'm trying to do in this book is I'm trying to help people understand how ideology works and how the church gets caught up in the ideology making machine, which I call the enemy making machine. Part of what the enemy making machine does is it takes something, a belief, a practice that's out of our everyday lived life makes it into a concept, turns it into a banner. You might remember we talked mm -hmm. about that the last podcast. The banner is used to rally a people against other people, kind of like yes. cable news network, mm -hmm. uh, cable television. And anyways, if you, if you think about what happened to the decision, now in the chapter on conversion, I talk about how the revivalist uh, altar call conversion came at a time when when 
Christianity had been transported over the ocean from Europe. It had be it had become cold, and and uh, the revivalism really um, um, awakened. S- awakened. That's the word. The awakenings. <laughs> Uh, really awakened Christianity, called people to a personal conversion, a personal relationship, mm-hmm. a renewal of life with God. And the altar call was a part of that. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful thing. What happened, and then I talk about what happened in the 20s with, uh, right. with the uh, controversy surrounding kind of modern people saying a substitutionary view of the atonement is not good and all this stuff. And God is not a, a wrathful God. And then, and then evangelicals, and revivalists just dug in further, and a few years later we get Billy Graham, mm-hmm. and again a very, uh, can we say successful? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, successful call to personal life with God, and conversion, yes. acknowledgement of one's sin, and a renewal to one's relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But what happens is somewhere, and I I use the story of uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Frank Gifford's wife. Uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. Kathy Lee Gifford and her famous testimony, and and she had a, she was at a theater and she said something like, uh, "This is what this is perfect. This is where I want God to meet me." She was at a theater at a Billy Graham crusade. At a Billy Graham film. Film, right? And she wanted Jesus. to be an actress. And my question, so she was. She, she says in her testimony that she got saved mm-hmm. right where she wanted to be. And it was like, okay, now God, make me the best actress I can be. Okay, okay, I I want to be careful about this, and I nuance it in the book, right? But the question is, has conversion and decision for Christ become the means by which we enlist? We we get enlisted in God's mission, or we enlist God into our mission? Hmm. I want to be an actress, okay. and I want God to help me be an actress. Right. So yeah. God, do, you, do you see that phenomenon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is an add-on to to what I, God is an add-on or a footnote to what I've already accomplished or what I right. want to accomplish. Right, and and so uh, we have this problem where the decision for Christ can be emptied of its discipleship, and I think we're all aware of this. And I'm saying nothing right, new. Right, right, yeah. And now the question yep. is, what happens ideologically when that happens? So, yeah. um, I mean, another example of this is. Uh, do you remember? I mean, when yeah. I was when I was, uh, I'm, I'm considerably older than you are. Mm-hmm. Correct. You didn't have to say mm-hmm. <laughs> correct. Just just agreeing with you, <laughs> vehemently agreeing. <laughs> but in my day, we used to have peeps in the in the youth group friends. Oh man, go yes. forward like fifty two times. Oh mercy. Did it take? I don't know. I feel convicted of my sin. In fact, I thought of bad. I thought of bad things last last night. Right. Uh, I, right. I, I I sinned uh, just before I came into church tonight. We had mm-hmm. we had evening church, and, and so I better go forward again and make yeah. sure I'm saved. Yeah. And after like fifty two times, the youth group workers are going, "What's going on here? How can we keep coming back forward? You got saved, right? Did you ever have this? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I remember seeing it. it, it did you do it yourself? I didn't. I did not. I, I went forward at least hundred and fifty-two times. It's interesting. I, I think it's might maybe just. I'm exaggerating, per- Mom. If you're listening, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> maybe just personality, but I I remember cynically not going forward multiple times because it just you seemed, felt manipulated. Yeah, I felt manipulated. It felt like cotton candy. It's like hey, I'm going up there to get filled, but I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk walk away um, satiated for the moment. Um, but it's not really actually filling me. Just doing this um, 
practice every single time there's an emotional moment when I feel Yeah, and so the question is, I think it's a legit question. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. There is content in the historic yep. revivalist Absolute, altar call. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, there are many friends I have, family members, who were saved at an altar call, and, it, and that led to transformation. That was the beginning of transformation in their life. I'm teaching at Northern Seminary many times. Um, and we're going through the gospel and we're going through salvation, excuse me. And, uh, I, I don't know if I ever did this in a class with you, uh, by the way, Mike Moore is sufficiently younger than me (laughs) that he was actually in a class where I was teaching the class. But, uh, I would ask how many people got saved by going forward after an altar call where they were convinced that if they didn't go forward, confess sin and receive Christ as pardon for sin, they were going to hell that night. Mm -hmm. As they walked out the door, and mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, ninety percent of the that people many, wasted. Yeah. And I always go, hey, it it can't be all that bad. Look, you're all sitting in a seminary, yeah, right. And God's right. worked in your life and called you into ministry. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. The Lord uses uses that. Yeah, but I think that this also reveals the fact that uh, after it's done. We think of it almost as a transaction, and we're wondering, "Hey, did anything happen?" Because mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not seeing the difference in my life. Right, right. And this is, I think, the problem: is it's easy to uh, make the decision for Christ into a master signifier that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's just something I add on to my exo- already existing life. I want to be right. a, a movie star. Now I'm a God, Christian movie star. I want to be a Christian movie star. God's now enlisted into my project right. of being a movie star. Right. Um, James Cone has a critique, and I, I talk about this in uh, the chapter, mm-hmm. uh, where he talks about this kind of salvation, which is basically a pardon from sin, uh, a, a pardon from the wrath of God and the just punishment for our sin, so that now we are no longer condemned, and we know where we're going when we die. Right. And he talks about how this version of salvation uh, becomes the means by which now the rest of our life can become exp- the issue of con- expedient. We're going to do whatever mm-hmm. works to get us to heaven, and it doesn't impact how we engage the world for God's right. justice. And Cohn argues that in that way it's complicit with racism. Right. This kind of detached personal transaction with God allows us to be complicit with all the injustices right. in the world. Because we're just trying to get through here and get on to the next thing, get on to the eternal life. Yeah. Which happens after we die. And so um, all this to say, uh, there's a part of, so so uh, I, I don't know where, I think we're going a little long on this, but um, this is why this book is, why you got to buy the book. But uh, It's not as long as we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what happens is we need to fill in, I argue we need to fill in the content of what salvation means mm-hmm. for real life. Yeah, And so we end up doing these things um, that are very strange. Like, for instance, um, for the denomination I was growing up in, mm-hmm. there was a major point in the history of my denomination when alcoholism was conquered by okay. salvation and sanctification by the Spirit. And it was a mark of, of a Christian that you were saved out of alcoholism. And the church became pretty convinced that drinking alcohol was evil. Hmm. Okay, and it happened over time, but... But again, skate 50 to 100 years later, and now if you are drinking, that's a sign you're not saved. Right. And if you are drinking, wait, if you aren't drinking, ooh, you are in. And it turns into an in versus an us. I mean, uh, sorry. Yeah. An us versus them. 
Because this is a sign of being saved. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Because we had to fill in the content. It right. turns into an us versus them. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and and do you see this happening in other places? In, in, yeah. In, in, in terms of like a pharisaical, uh, like Puritan style of determining who's in and who's out in ter- uh, by by means of salvation. Exactly. Do you see other instances? Like I, I got one in mind right now. Yeah. Um, the, the the things I'm thinking about are are mostly around justice issues. Oh, well, I'll just tell you one. Uh, like the last three years, no, the last five years, if you come out gay affirming, right, it's like sayonara. Right. You are no longer saved or you're no longer an evangelical. You are now out versus in. Right. And I think that's an indication that we have not thought through what it means to follow Christ and be a Christian. We've used the decision for Christ and mm-hmm. whatever behavior mechanism fills in for us what means you've been saved or not. I, I think it can also go on the other side, though. If you are gay for me, then it is a sign that you are a Christian. From the other side. Right, right. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it, whether it's an issue around uh, immigration or uh, climate change, uh, you, you can take any issue and turn it into a ideological signifier yeah. to, to divide people about you're saved you're, or you're not saved based on where you land uh, on the spectrum of these issues. Exactly. Um, and so um, do you remember when uh, John Piper said the Rob Bell farewell? Oh, farewell, Rob Bell. Yeah, over, hey, you became a universalist. Right. So in this case, it's a little different than what I just described. Mm-hmm. But hell is so important to the decision that if you question it, sayonara right see you later yeah that's the sign okay and all of the perverse kind of uh craziness that happened yeah. around that and mm-hmm. and people rallied against yes. and for rob bell indicates just how much this conversion issue and the lack of definition was able to be filled in and now it's a sign of you're in or you're out so what what are you proposing is is a sign of salvation or can you uh What's Add a, some flesh yeah, to, so, to salvation. What does salvation look like if it's not just I don't drink or I say uh, I stand on this side of this issue? Yeah, and 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 so you're you're pushing me, t- you're 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 doing your job right now. You're pushing me to get practical in this book. I'm pushing for a practice that gathers us into His presence uh, and unites us in and for the world mm-hmm. around it, as opposed to an us versus them. And so, uh, by the way, I just want to say, I do believe in conversion, and I do believe it's a central part of the gospel. Yeah. You know, repent and believe and enter the kingdom of God mm-hmm. uh, is Jesus' words in Mark 1, 1. 9. 9 or mm-hmm. 14? 9 through 14. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Were you as bad at Bible quizzing as I was? <laughs> I was terrible. Man. Was and is. I wish I had a been a better Bible quizzer. But we still believe in Scripture, if you listen to our last Which podcast. Is not good at chapter and verse. In um, So I believe conversion is central. In, on, on page 109, I say, If the gospel is that God in Christ has defeated the powers of evil and sin such that Jesus now reigns over all things and is bringing in his kingdom. We must agree with James Cone. No one can say Jesus is Lord over my personal life only. 
that may be a good start, but to say Jesus is Lord is to say he reigns over the whole world, and he must reign until all enemies have been made subject. So to say Jesus is Lord requires that he be both Lord over me personally Mm -hmm. and over the world. So to be converted is to enter into the world as it is under the Lordship of Christ, making him Lord of my life and participating in the bringing of his lordship over the whole world. Hmm. That means you cannot separate justice from personal salvation. It means that he's at work already out there in the world, and Hmm. we have just entered into the kingdom ahead of time, okay, where the rest of the world's already going. So it doesn't separate us into an us versus them. It actually calls us into this work of being open and and uh, being a witness to what God is doing in other people's lives and recognizing it and calling people into it. It's a whole new way, practice of doing evangelism. Because you're just proclaiming, this is where we're going. I'm saying, you know, uh, so, so us Wesleyans, uh, I'm not actually part of a Wesleyan church, but anytime I agree with a theolo- theologian, yeah. I just say us, us. Wesleyans. <laughs> Uh, believe in provenient grace. Provenient grace, I think, within the Wesleyan tradition is that God is working in people who are not yet under his lordship Mm -hmm. to bring them to himself. And I want to extend that a little bit more. And uh, I actually talk about it in the appendix of this book, to that God is at work over the whole world. But it's a little bit different than in the way he is present in the church. The church is the manifestation of his presence, the mm-hmm. visible manifestation of his presence. He had he is present over the whole world. And uh, so it's our job to go out and be present to his presence in the world and what he's doing and recognize it and call people to his work that he's already doing in their lives. Right, right. And say, I believe God is at work here. Can you see it? Can we make Jesus Lord and participate in what he's doing to bring justice and lordship over your life and healing and reconciliation to the world? And, and that is you, the work of salvation. Yes. That is God's salvation work in the world. Actually, absolutely. And so, by the way, there is a, there is a decision here that goes on. I must repent from mm-hmm. my autonomy from God, yep. from my sinful disobedience. And submit to Jesus as Lord and make him Lord over my whole life, which takes a lifetime, by the way, mm-hmm. actually till eternity, till he, uh, what, what those, what those Wesleyans talk about <laughs> entire, I don't know if I completely agree with entire sanctification the way they talk about it, right, right. but you know, when, until he comes, we are always being sanctified. So this is a much more broader, welcoming, and yet powerful way of understanding the salvation in Jesus Christ that we we are called into and we're calling the world into. Right. Do you see, I know you haven't read this chapter yet. Have not. But maybe you can help us understand how this changes the dynamic of conversion from an us versus them to a us with them. Yeah, the word I think about is witnessing. Can you come alongside somebody in, I don't mean witness in the traditional sense or in the sense that, actually I mean it in the traditional sense, not in the sense that it's kind of been co-opted. By witnessing would be me coming alongside you and saying, hey, this is where I see the Lord working in your life. Did you see what I just saw in your life? Did you notice what God just, well, I believe that's God. The other day um, um, at the McDonald's I hang out with, um, 
there's a woman I won't mention her name in case she gets on the podcast mm-hmm. but but she's she's a mentally struggling woman mm-hmm. and she's very loud but she's got some generosity to her sure and, and there's another friend of mine whom I love uh, a uh, two pack a cigarette chain smoking dude <laughs> uh, who who gives her a little money every day sure and uh, what happens between them is so marvelous and I hmm. go up to I'll say George I don't want to say his name in case he, George that was amazing what I just saw I believe God is working in that yeah and then I actually told Bill I said that's so beautiful do you see God at work in that and Bill's longing in hmm. his heart for for relationship he's struggling with loneliness hmm. he's struggling with brokenness in several relationships he has in his family and it's just saying oh i want god to work in my life and be lord of my life in that same way yeah. that's the witness we can say mm-hmm. oh i think i just saw god and it was amazing right did you see him too would you like to participate in that as right. well right and that's the work of proclamation too yeah i mean proclamation is saying uh, we're declaring this is what the lord is doing in your life and i think a lot of times it requires somebody else to come alongside you to point that out I'm thinking of, uh, I'll call him Steve, a guy I've known for for years, uh, and I was meeting with him last week, and he was just so discouraged by his work, by his relationships, um, by his finances. But as he's he's talking to me, um, and I'm sitting there, I'm listening, I'm just thinking back to when I was talking to him a year ago and and how things were so different uh different in a worse off way mm. and he's been sanctified over the last year so i i just thought to him i said do you remember where you were a year ago like uh l- let me just uh, witness to you the ways that i've seen the lord sanctify and move in your life and you could kind of see this cloud lift but it wasn't you know it wasn't just a cloud lifting it was we were declaring the truth of who god was and what god was doing in his life and how god was restoring him and that's i mean that's salvation it's the lord bringing people to himself yeah, and so uh, I, I I don't want to oversimplify this uh, because I do carry out the nuances in this chapter, but I, I think we go from um, saying something like, have you made a decision to confess your sin and receive salvation via the cross and eternal life too? Um, have you recognized that Jesus is Lord of your life and he's working in the world? Mm-hmm. And do you choose to enter in and participate And I think that way of thinking about salvation opens up the world to uh, his grace, his love, his forgiveness, Mm -hmm. his work on the cross, his sanctifying work, and all the things he wants to do to heal, reconcile the world. Anyways, we go from an us versus them to an us with them. Yes. Unfortunately, I didn't think about this phrase until after the book's done. <laughs> we go from an us versus them to an us with them. Yeah. Um, again, if you want a copy of the galleys and want to be uh, an Amazon reviewer, let me know through fitchist at gmail.com. Now, do you have a, a you know, last podcast? Mm, yeah. You pulled off a, uh, a rather outrageous moment. And, and actually, I think you almost made me cry. You got sentimental. And uh, I'm it's a okay. sentimental guy. You see, 
Uh, I just I like anytime the idea you, of anytime you get into hockey, you uh, get you touch a very sentimental place <laughs> in my it's heart. It's a deep place. Did you see that photo, by the way, uh, up in Canada? The photo, the, like this iconic photo of guys playing hockey on a pond. Dude, my wife bought that for oh, she me did? for Christmas. That's a great Christmas gift. That's a great Christmas gift. You, you uh, that. Okay, you're overwhelming me right now. Sorry, just such sorry. A, such a uh, okay, a coincidental moment. In the same vein as last week, I like to go back a couple of years just to see what Dave was up to. On, uh, Have you got anything controversial that we can get into a hot debate? Oh, on? you want a hot? You want a hot debate? Uh, I have a. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I don't dun, know if this dun, is a hot dun, debate. Dun. I think you need to unpack this one. Can I ask sure, you to unpack sure, this? Sure. Uh, this is also December 2011. 2011? I was like 22 years old back then. <laughs> you were just able to buy alcohol legally. Ouch. Going back to our alcohol Hope conversation. My mom didn't hear that. Yeah. Not that you did, but you were okay. able to. Okay. A telltale sign that someone has taken a wrong theological turn is when that person appears to be talking to themselves. Wow. <laughs> you can't say wow to your own quote. Well, I'm a little bit taken aback because because uh that that is uh okay. Don't You're pretty you're pretty happy with that. Does your arm reach back that far to your back? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually it's convicting. Oh, really? It's convicting because, you know. You don't agree with that? Uh I do agree with it. Okay. And I think that I've got to be careful that when I'm talking, I'm talking to myself. You know, mm-hmm. you're not married yet, dude. You're gonna have to probably take this quote along with you for the first couple two. I'm actually. Three, I think four, we're gonna years. actually inscribe that on our rings. <laughs> That's why I brought it. Because, <laughs> because if there's no better place than, uh, than your wife to show you that you've just been talking to yourself in this whole conversation and you haven't really listened to what's going on yeah. with me. Yeah. And uh, anyways, and that's true of pastors, and that's true. We need to listen to our congregations. We mm-hmm. need to listen to people across. Uh, we need to listen and quit talking to ourselves. Thanks for that great reminder, Mike yeah. Moore. And uh, thank you for reminding you and me. Except that it was 10 years ago. So, yeah. folks, uh, it's, it's time to wrap this up. Thanks for being with us. Uh, give us a review on iTunes if you could. We're begging you. We're pleading please, with you. Just please. And, and, and help along the podcast. But we will see you next time when we deal with the church itself and the very idea of church and politics mm-hmm. as an enemy-making machine. And how do we get past that? Till then, it's over and out. Theology on Mission, Northern Seminary. Mike Moore to my right. That's me. And Dave Fitch. Till next time. Thanks for listening. 